This message is sponsored by Life Touch Massage. For your next massage service, call us at 205-718-5144 or visit the web at www.lifetouchal.com. Remember, relief is only a touch away. We're two self-care experts, a massage therapist, and a licensed professional counselor, husband and wife and parents of three, business owners and working professionals, who have intimate experience with stress both professionally and personally. Our podcast aims to teach the everyday professional how to live through the stresses in life while learning to be their best in life. Tiffany Story. And I'm your host, Lamar Story. Um, this is Living the Stress Life. And today we are talking about a topic that a lot of people get uh, really angry and over the top about, but a lot of emotions evolved involved around this topic. Yeah. So we're talking about stress and politics today. Um, Fortunately for us, we will not be going into, you know, our personal belief systems or talking about President Trump <laughs> or, or anything 45. of that effect. Um, <laughs> but we will be talking about um, the impact of politics on your life, on our personal lives, how we as uh, everyday citizens are impacted by politics. And today we have a special guest joining us to discuss this topic introduce yourself special guest all right what's going on thank you guys first for having me uh my name is Sayram Selassie um I have definitely been elected um I was from 2012 to 2016 a city councilman for the city of Anniston as well as the vice mayor of the city and I recently just ran for state representative house district 32 state of Alabama I didn't get it this first time uh, but I do plan on getting it the next time so uh, I'm so glad to be here and, mm-hmm. you know, sharing this topic with you guys. Uh, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate you traveling here just to do this for us and with us. Yeah, we're in Birmingham, Alabama. So um, he's traveled, what, maybe 50 minutes an hour up right, the road right, right. to come be <laughs> with us. And your introduction was spoken like a true politician. No, right. <laughs> <laughs> so politically correct. <laughs> um, he's also a... a Berea graduate? A Berea graduate. Mm-hmm. That's what you said. Fellow alum? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. For our alma mater. Um, so we all attended Berea College in Berea, Kentucky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's good to have other classmates... Um, on the podcast and to see other people we've gone to school with and, and um, seen at a young age really kind of evolve and come into their own and are making a difference and making an impact. And so I will appreciate you coming and um, being on Living a Stress Life. And so, you know, today I think I would like to just kind of open up the conversation by talking about how a lot of us we talk to you know coworkers and friends and just you know associates about different political things. Politics is something I avoid in the workplace. Like I don't talk about politics at all. I don't share my personal political beliefs at work because for one, um, I work. I typically work in places where there are not a lot of people who look like me. So I feel like there are not a lot of people who will understand my position or personal experiences when it comes to 
policies and politics. And that's very interesting because mine is very different. Okay. So I work and own a space where everybody look like me. <laughs> so then a lot of people that come in look like me. And they feel like it's a safe place to um, unload mm-hmm. on how they feel about politics. Right. So we get a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, whether it's local or on a national level, politics lately has been very stressful. Mm-hmm. You know, and w- the reason we invited you, because we wanted that inside look. You know, on the outside, we're like, man, if this is stressful for us, mm-hmm. <laughs> how must it be for you? Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I would like to just start off by saying something that I learned and just kind of conceptualize when we were all at Berea College. And that idea or that quote is, our minds have been conditioned to accept insanity as normality. Mm-hmm. Let me say that again. That's Our deep. minds have been conditioned to accept insanity as normality. Mm-hmm. And one of the very reasons I even stepped into the political arena, quote unquote, is because I saw how once I returned to my community from Berea College and all of the eye open experiences that mm-hmm. I had, um, that it was important for me to try to make some type of impact on the local insanity that I was witnessing, that mm-hmm. people had kind of written off as normality and you know one of the things and you know you see it in Birmingham you see it in Anniston you know Nashville Memphis you name it I mean seeing so many young African-American men killing themselves and killing each other you know I I equate those two as the same thing but that was an insane thing for me Mm -hmm. and at 28 years old being one of the youngest elected uh, politicians in the city of Anniston at Mm -hmm. that particular time I was like you know we have to show a different image of what not only what an African-American male looks like, but what just a, a young citizen in a community looks like mm-hmm. overall that, you know, these things are not right. Um, it's, it's not good for us to be comfortable in this situation. And we all must be willing to step up and do something. Mm. Um, so that's the reason that I ran. And I know we're going to get into more of the stressful parts of it. But first, I think when you think about politics, everybody has to have some type of passion towards it. You know, I I know we were talking about earlier, there are a lot of emotions in this country right now, but Mm -hmm. when you think about emotions, I like to just break that down by saying that emotions are nothing but energy and motion. And we have an obligation to choose whether that energy will be either positive or negative. And I am one that chooses the positive route. And I think if we've had those constructive conversations we'll get a lot further in politics in this country. Mm-hmm. And I, I agree with that. Um, I think what me and Lamar talk a lot about, though, is we may not be directly involved in politics. We kind of stay tuned to what's going on nationally and locally. We try to attend things like that the mayor has, that our local city councilman has. Um, but I think where our frustrations come um, into play is that a lot of times we see some of the same conversations happening over and over again. Everybody is on the same page, both the uh, the the representatives we've elected as well as the citizens. A lot of times are on the same page as far as what the problem is mm-hmm. and what is plaguing the city or plaguing our communities. But where there starts to be division is the solution because you elect an official and you feel like that official was a good fit to um, address what you think the problem is and they've 
communicated a solution that sounds like it's going to be effective. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you get those people into office and nothing happens. Mm -hmm. And I think we've begun to realize, you know, just being business owners, um, that things don't always go as planned because you will have all these barriers mm-hmm. put in place. You can It's just like a business. You can establish a business plan. You can mm-hmm. establish a strategy. But then when you start having to engage with other people who make decisions about finances or zoning or all these other things, there can be all these barriers to actually getting to the vision, right? right. So I imagine the same thing is true when it comes to a politician. But I think what frustrates people is when you have politicians who I like to call career politicians mm-hmm. who run for office who've held seats for since you know since they were your age like you say right. I've held office since I was 30 right. and now I'm 60 and I'm running and off the same premises and addressing the same issues but I as a citizen don't see any change right yeah I mean I, I completely agree you know one of the things that I think about in our own community is that we don't have enough of the concept of each one, reach one, teach one. Mm-hmm. And if people are getting in these positions and holding them until literally they die, there's no transfer of information. There's no new ideas coming forth. Um, overall, it just further stagnates our community. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that one thing I've already thought about even during my tenure as a quote-unquote politician is that I'm always looking to raise up young people to come after me. Um, you guys know at Berea College, we had the organization of Brotherhood. Mm-hmm. It was all about taking on the incoming freshmen, sophomores, or whoever was after us and showing them the way upon which you should graduate or you can graduate. And, yeah, I take that same approach in the political uh, stratosphere or whatever that, you know, if we don't start imparting into the next generation then we'll always see these same results which is the definition of insanity and you know something else that I think about is that you know sometimes people need to know the basic structure of politics too who is your city council person Mm who is your county commissioner Mm -hmm. and again I'm just going up the levels who is your state representative who is your state senator Mm -hmm. and so forth if you don't even know those people and you're not informed then it's going to be hard for you to know where to go when you really need some help for something. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, again, there has to be a little more education going on in the community. Sometimes people just get elected and they're they're gone. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't see them again until election day. Mm -hmm. And and that's an unfortunate thing, too. But, yeah, I applaud you guys going to some of those meetings because, honestly, what some politicians do, they look out in the crowd and they see two or three, especially let's talk about Mm us's, meaning African-Americans. Yeah. (laughs) It's only two or three of us in the crowd, and then the rest may be, you know, other ethnicities. Mm-hmm. So it's like if you're not even showing up to the meetings and letting your face be seen, and not just the city council meeting, your school board. Mm-hmm. You know, any key in any community, any politician will tell you is an educational community. And if you're not even showing up to the school board and, you know, supporting your superintendent or knowing what's going on, that will allow your community to go down. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, I just think it's critical that we do have that transfer of information. People aren't just sitting there dying in those seats, um, as well as it's important to educate the community on what the process is, who your representatives are, and things of that nature. You know, sometimes, I though, you know, sitting back and going to some of these meetings, I do feel like sometimes our hands are tired, mm-hmm. are, are tied, sorry, 
Um, and the reason I say that is because we will say something or make an issue and nothing happens mm-hmm. as a citizen. And I think a lot of citizens feel that way. <clears throat> so, you know, of course, you know, um, Barack Obama inspired the world to go out and vote, right? Mm-hmm. And then that that um, situation sparked a new political revolution with African Americans. Mm-hmm. We was like, oh, we can make change. Let's go out here and do this. Let's go out here and do that. But I'm going to break it down to the local. So locally, you're like, okay, we got all black people in office anyway already. Mm-hmm. Right, so now let's go out here and, and make a change. Let's do this. Let's do that, and then your hands are tired or mm-hmm. tired. Do I Why do you saying that? I don't know. <laughs> you tired right now? You massage? I'm joking. <laughs> but in, you know, just to break it down even further, you may go to a meeting and you see all the players that's always at the meetings, right? And you say, okay, this this is the issue that we bring to the meeting, and then it's like it's kind of overlooked. So I hear a lot of young people say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I went to the meeting, man, and you know what? They ain't going to change. Right. You know, so it's just like my, my voice doesn't even matter. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like you go to the meetings and you have these issues. You might even get a group of people with the same issue. Mm-hmm. But if you don't, I believe if you don't have the money behind your message mm-hmm. that you won't be heard. I also, I think I want to contribute to that, too. I think it goes back to something you just said about how people get in these seats and they, they die in these seats. Right. And I think, too, it's a generational gap. And mm. we've oh, seen yes. that. We tried to go. We were going to our local neighborhood association meeting. Right. We quit going. And we quit going because we were not happy with how those meetings were being conducted. And we was outnumbered. And we were outnumbered. <laughs> yeah. We were young, too. When we first moved into our house, we were like, I was Excited 22. about the neighborhood, you know, yeah. going to the meetings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you go to these, these, <laughs> you go to these neighborhood meetings and you like, I actually got pissed off mm-hmm. at one of the comment the president said. Mm-hmm. But though, that was recently, right? Yeah, that was but, more but recent. But see, we just stopped going. Right. But we've been in our our same neighborhood for 14 years. So we started going back. We couldn't remember why we stopped going. We was like, why did we stop going? And then they used to send flyer reminders, and I don't think it registered to us that it was on the same day every mm-hmm. month. Mm-hmm. Um, but we started back going, and then we remember why we stopped going. Right. And one of the the issues that came up was about young, young kids in the neighborhood walking in the street. And the comment was made that when you see the kids walking in the street or a group of kids in the neighborhood coming together, call the police. And we as parents who are raising, especially two black men Mm -hmm. who are at an age where they should be able to hang outside their house with their friends, just because you see them out there joining, you've automatically made them criminals just because there's things that go around in the neighborhood. But we've also found that things that came up in the neighborhood weren't always the kids in the neighborhood. There were kids from across the highway venturing into our neighborhood. And so it... I mean, we, Lamar got so mad, I was like, let's just go to news here. <laughs> you know, but we were f- so frustrated because we understood as a, as a younger generation that you can't deal with the issues with the kids like that. Right. You know, just don't assume they're criminals. And if you see something, why don't you try talking to them first? Now, if you get a bad response, 
But then you can't go to them like you're their grandma anymore either. That has changed. Like, you know, the lady down the street, my neighborhood used to be like, hey, y'all get out of there, I'm going to call your mom. You can't do kids like that anymore. Right, right. But I think it's the generational gap. Yeah. And Just so, to speak on the generational gap. Hold on. I want to ask this question before mm-hmm. I forget. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let him say what he... But I want to ask, as a young, the youngest person coming into city council in mm-hmm. Anniston, mm-hmm. what was your experience with those people who have been in office for so long when you recognize you're coming from a different generation? Well, I wish I could tell you guys it was all peaches and cream, mm-hmm. but it was not. It was. Yeah. I know it was. It was not. And mm-hmm. I still deal with uh, some of those ideas and frustrations. Um, but, you know, Brother Lamar, you already brought up uh, President Barack Obama, former President Barack Obama, who I thankfully had the opportunity to meet in person. And I always loved this quote that he had. He said, we need to internalize this idea of excellence. Not a lot of people spend a lot of time trying to be excellent. Mm -hmm. And when I look at you guys, your businesses, your podcasts, your just overall energy, it represents excellence. If we as a young generation continue to go in the direction of excellence and really embrace that idea, we'll tear down those structures. Mm -hmm. I honestly and firmly believe that because... What we're talking about, again, hands being tied, they really aren't tied. There's just not enough of us, as the quote said, that are trying to be excellent and then just taking the gavel or the torch from the older generation. Now, Mm. let's be honest. Some of them, they want to hold on because they're scared. You know, I get it. I've sat down in Big Mama's house and, you know, Uncle Tebow, whatever his name. Mm -hmm. You know, I've sat in those homes and they're like, oh, the young people doing this. Some of the same things that you guys just said. But that's where it goes to what you said, that the idea of a generation gap. But I disagree. There's not a generation gap. There's an information gap. Mm-hmm. We just, from both ends, have not informed each other on the real-life struggles that we all deal with. Mm-hmm. And to summarize that point, you know, you think about where we are right now, Birmingham, Alabama. Mm-hmm. The, the heart, the epicenter of the civil rights movement. If we were able to get that stuff done, and then let's jump back, even during slavery. If a Harriet Tubman, if a Sojourner Truth, and all those individuals were able to get done what they got done, why can't we? Mm-hmm. And that's the type of mentality that we have to have. But from Barack Obama to your Sojourner Truth and all those other individuals, there was an idea of excellence. Mm-hmm. When are we going to get back to excellence? And even with our young people, it's cool to be smart. It's cool to wear your pants on your waist. All of these things, you know, nothing to down certain things that are going on right now. But once we internalize that idea of excellence, we start to break down those barriers and the information gaps Mm -hmm. upon which keeps us divided when we're all really the same people. Mm -hmm. And again, it can be done because it's been done before. And the beauty I love, especially about you think about the Birmingham uh, Civil Rights Movement. You know, you had your SCLCs, but there was also your cores. Mm-hmm. There was also your Black Panther Parties for Self-Defense. There was also your Nation of Islam. All those organizations, they had different ideas, but there was still one goal to see us move forward. Mm-hmm. That's the point that we have to get back to, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think you bring up a valid point. I, I've said this in different conversations that I think what happened is, like, all of us, I would say all of us, you know, even though we're kind of very in age just a little bit, were born in the post-civil rights movement. Mm. We were born after certain freedoms and liberties and laws were passed, mm-hmm. right? And so what I believe happened is 
all of those people who had been foot soldiers and all of those people who had gone through civil rights, the civil rights fight, they grew up in a time where a lot of those infrastructures that were in place to such as segregation and redlining and all those things mm -hmm. were beginning to be tore down. And they, they sat back and was like, we accomplished it. Mm. And their kids came up and because I could go in the white mall, I didn't really necessarily teach my kids about the struggle. Mm. I didn't pass those same principles and that same community on to my children. Mm -hmm. So what happened is I raised a kid that said, you can be whatever you want to be. Mm. And those are some of those, those kids are our parents, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and some of them are, are in somewhere close to our age. Right. Mm -hmm. But what has happened is with that generation, I become whatever I wanted to become. Now I'm having kids and my kids have access to everything. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But now some of those same things that just kind of went underground, they didn't right. go away. Right. They went underground. Right. They changed faces. They changed shapes. Right. right. Are coming back up and bubbling because also what was birthed out of Obama being coming president mm -hmm. was the tea party yes, and things like that, which was, um, which was hatred right. and white supremacy right? right those things begin to bubble back up right right and then people begin to call out those systems that never went away like the 13th amendment mm -hmm. you know and so now you got a whole bunch of children who were not educated on what the struggle looked like so i, I do agree with you that it's is not just a generation gap it is an information gap mm -hmm. but what do we do with that mm -hmm. and my thing is a lot of these millennials are those kids mm -hmm. are those kids who were not informed so the rules are different mm -hmm. for them because it's like i don't know that this barrier has been put up i was raised saying i could go where i want to go and do what i want to do i want to be president i can be president mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. but now i'm starting to be met with hatred and racism and all of these things that my grandparents and possibly i'll say their grandparents had to face now what do we do with that mm -hmm. and now these older people are like well they don't understand the struggle well you mm -hmm. didn't inform them of the struggle right because you got comfortable right so what do we do with that Right. How, how do we move beyond that? Yeah. I mean, again, going back to what I said, and, and you you pretty much for me have already summed it up. It's that information gap again, and it goes or comes down to like sitting down, having those at the dinner table type conversations, like put away the smartphones, put away your iPad, laptop, whatever it may be, and let's talk, like ask some questions and, you know, Let's let's take it from the micro level. From the micro level, you know, you may have situations where many, I mean, almost 70 percent now of African-American children are being raised without a father in the home. So I don't even know who my father is in a sense. And I don't know that history, that connection. You know, what is my father like? What similarities may we have? Things of that nature. So as a young millennial and 70% of us are being raised without even knowing who our fathers are, then how are the world, are we going to have that same type of generational understanding of what happened in our past to get us to where we are today? So I'm saying we have to get back to just some basic core principles. Um, I know we talk about mentorship and things of that nature that may sound cliche, but that's necessary. That young man needs a, a father figure. That young lady needs a father figure. You know, like we have to get back to some of these basic core principles because some of these fathers are mentors. They've been through that struggle. They are 
and have developed into responsible adults that can then tell the story. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I love uh, one sermon I heard in church one time. Uh, the pastor was talking about some of the most complex things are the simplest and some of the most simple things are the most complex. And when you think about that dichotomy that I just expressed or, or you know, laid out, when you don't have some of the basic principles of what it means to have a stable family, you're going to miss the po politics of it all. You're going to miss the economics of it all. You're going to miss the, I need to stick with this woman, although I don't know if I really love her, but I had a baby with her. You're going to miss some of those core issues. And now we're looking at a generation to where the older ones who were in those two-parent households and all that stuff, they look down on them. Mm -hmm. Although they helped create it, but they look down on them because it's like, well, you don't have the same structure that we had, so you can't understand. I, I, I really, that frustrates me and has vexed my spirit when I hear older people sometimes when I was on the campaign trail and even when I still go out, you don't understand, you don't understand. Well, who am I? You know, yeah. you, you're acting like I'm from, you know, London or, you right. know, Ireland or something like that. I grew up in this. I'm from this same struggle, but we're disconnected. So... Again, we have to get back down to some of those basic core principles that make us who we are and that has sustained us throughout these generations in order for us to move forward. That's so just what's my the opinion. starting point with that? In your opinion, what's, I know you said it's an information gap. Right. Right. Um, and I'm going to still put out that the generation gap <laughs> because okay. cause we see it, you know, and it's real. In your opinion, how do we mend this? Like it's, she kind of just said it though. But I mean, like practical steps. You know what I mean? Like for instance, like when Mayor uh, Randall Wolfen was running, mm -hmm. it got real ugly. Yeah, and you could see the generation gap. Mm -hmm. It was very obvious. Yeah, especially with um, those long-term politicians. It was so obvious. Yeah, that you know the city was on just just battling with each other for mm -hmm. a moment. Um, and you still see it now because they still question his decisions. He was called boy quite frequently mm -hmm. um, stupid mm -hmm. quite frequently so I mean like uninformed uninformed even though you know he's from like you just said you're from here hey who am I right you know so <laughs> instead of this person being your mentor you should be able to go to this person and be like hey I need your help with this mm -hmm. you know guide me in this situation we were really battling right and I think we still see that to the point that it's going it may create a situation that's not good for us mm -hmm. you have a lot of gentrification going on right now in the different neighborhoods mm -hmm. um i see in the future that the distrust with our own people will technically lead this city who's majority black will end up with some very white leadership. Well, I think I and I'll, I'll say this: that one of the other things that really came about when Randall Wolfen was running just was not about his age. Age played a huge role, um, and and you had a lot of older, I call them old head politicians, um, and people who were connected to political people throwing dirt and and, and being rude and or whatever. But I think the other thing was there was this concern that he had a lot of white backing, mm -hmm. you know. And I've heard many people say it wasn't black people think they went out and uh, voted Randall with him. We didn't vote him into office, mm -hmm. that he had connections to 
a lot of um, white communities. Mm -hmm. And I truly believe that based on different things I've heard from people I'm connected to in my everyday professional about where they met Randall Wolfen. And these people are white people Mm -hmm. and why they like Randall Wolfen. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's anything wrong with being able to cross color lines Mm -hmm. because what I've learned as a black person is white people, white politicians have, they have dog whistles. We know that Trump has dog whistle, right? He used certain words. Mm -hmm. I said, I wasn't going to bring Trump in, but there (laughs) goes his name. But I think we as black people have to get to a point. And I think some of us have learned our own dog whistle. And I won't even use those terms because I don't even want to put any ideas out there so people start tuning in because I, you know, I don't know who listens to our podcast. But I do know that there are certain things that can, that is said to us that appeals to us as black people. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think that that was what got us with Randall Wolfen is because, like you said, who is he? We yeah. realize he's from here. Right. He's young. He looked like us. He talked like us. He the first mayor to show up at the city council meetings or at a big event with a full suit on and some Converse. Right. I can I can get with that. Right, you know, right, right. you. I don't think in 2019 you got to be suited and booted head to toe in formal wear. He looks very professional and comfortable. Right. And I'm okay with that. Right. And I do want to get back to like the the initial question I asked about. The initial practical steps, yeah. because I think that's very important. Like even when we try to think about the people that live in our neighborhood, we was like, "What are young folks say?" Like, mm-hmm. uh, we got to get some more people to come to, to these meetings, meetings. with us, mm-hmm. because we need to know what are the practical steps. So they just won't be looking at us like, "Oh, that boy, that boy don't know what he's talking about." You know what I mean? Right, so right. we really do need to figure out those steps so that we can progress into something into a community yeah. like you said we're not mending and a joining yeah a joining community yeah two things real quick you know and whether it's factual or not I mean it's out there the Willie Lynch letter mm-hmm. um, you know they pitted the old versus young the light versus dark men versus women you know I went through that same type of thing when running and even especially the state rep race I was running against a 80 year old plus young lady if I can just say that and again all respect to her but again I'm 30 well I was 34 at the time this lady is 80 plus there's a major Mm -hmm. schism there and you know one thing that going back to the practicality of it all one thing that I've always done and I encourage all of the young people to do reach out reach out to the older generation. I mean, I literally talk to as many older people than myself as I can because it helps shape you. It helps you understand the past. Um, It helps you understand where you're going. Like, just please reach out to the older people, the older generation. Hopefully there are some older listeners out there. Listen. Listen. Let me say that again. I had to clear my throat. Listen, just because you've been on this earth since 1952 or before doesn't mean you cannot learn something new. In this new generation, this younger generation, they're crying out. They want to be heard. Um, A lot of the frustration you hear in some of the rap that you don't really like is a part of that. Mm -hmm. They know that older people are not listening. Mm -hmm. And so... If you have those two things working working together in a practical matter, 
we would see dynamic changes in our community. But they have to happen. How many young people are reaching out? Right. How many older people are listening? Right. It seems a simple thing, but it's very complex. Yeah. <laughs> and going That's back good. to the practicality of it all, brother, mm-hmm. I'm serious. Like, if we start doing that in our communities, we will be so much further along. Mm-hmm. And with my Obama fingers together that your listeners can see, <laughs> I still have hope. And I see change (laughs) that these things will actually happen. I really, really do believe that. That's what President Obama did for me. And, you know, again, coming from our college to seeing that and being able to vote for him, you know, it just it took my mind to a whole nother level of the possibilities. And as frustrated as I am by a lot of these issues that we're talking about it, this is needed. Mm -hmm. You know, this is encouraging for me to be able to come to you guys and talk and hopefully have somebody listen um, to what we're talking about and dealing with in order to hopefully change a mind, change a heart, and make our communities better. Man, I'm going to give you an example of what you just said about reaching out and listening. When we first moved into our house 14 years ago, I I went over to my next door neighbor, Mm -hmm. right, uh, to introduce myself. And she's an older lady. We call her Granny now, affectionately. And, um, so I guess they had some kind of Granny's family is always at her house. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I went to the, knocked on the door, and um, I opened the door and there was just all these folks in there, right? Mm-hmm. They looking at me like, "Who is this?" You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. "What you want?" And I was like, "Well, we just moved in next door. I was just coming to introduce myself." Mm-hmm. She said, "Nobody has ever done that." Mm-hmm. She then introduced me to other people. Mm-hmm. In the neighborhood, mm-hmm. and we felt like neighbors, mm. you know, instantly. We have a so, lot of older neighbors. Most of our neighbors are older in the Yeah, so she introduced me house. to the, the neighbor across the, the neighbors across the street, the neighbors um down the street, and I was just like, when you just said that, it just reminded me of what happened fourteen years ago, and to this day, our kids call her granny. Wow, you know, what I'm saying her son cut my grass and all that stuff. I mean, it's just. We, it's like a family. They don't want us to move. Not to cut you off, but yeah. I just think about the feeling I get when I hear the song Beyonce, Before I Let Go, Come On. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mixing in an older generation song, two songs, mm-hmm. Cameo for the young folks, <laughs> Cameo and Frankie Beverly and Mays. Mm-hmm. You know, mixing in two songs and then bringing it to this generation with the HBCU band concept and all that stuff. Like, I hope we get back to those parties with the purpose to where old folks, older people, I'm sorry, and come out on a porch and dance and have some music and interact with the young people. Tell some stories. Just get back to what makes us us. That's who we are. That's mm-hmm. the feeling I get from that song. And again, if we can do some of that and, and, and the story you just told is beautiful, I really feel we'll be a lot further along. I really yeah. do. Yeah. Well, I want to get to some of what we're here to talk about today. I think that's all. I think all of that lays the foundation for the stress that comes along with politics, right? Mm -hmm. But I think one of the things that I really always like to emphasize in our podcast is how people are experiencing, um, how everyday things are impacting Mm -hmm. them. And so I will say... Can you know, I read this real quick? I mean, this is very, like, in line with what you're talking is, about. This is just the nature this of our relationship. Go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead, please. <laughs> so according to the American Psychological Association, right, 
2016, so it's a little old. All right. But it revealed that two and three Americans say the future of our nation is a significant source of stress. Mm-hmm. 57% say that they are stressed by the current political climate. So basically, stress is a pol- politics is a big stressor for Americans in general. Mm-hmm. Right? So if you think about that, and that I just wanted to put that quote out there in relation to what you were saying. So you can go ahead. So you mentioned earlier about how you were received coming in to your role as a city councilor being young um, and then even running for state office, you know, running against someone who was way older than you, right? Right. right. So let's talk about how that impacts you personally, though. Mm. Like, I know that you're hopeful. You got the audacity to hope, right? Right, right. (laughs) But really when you come away at the end of the night and you're reflecting on what you're trying to do, you know, what you're passionate about, what you feel like, uh, God has purpose for you, right? right? But when you get in that and you're meeting so much opposition and so much resistance, how does that impact you personally? And what does it, does it kill this desire to keep moving forward? If not, what keeps you going? Great, great question. Um, wow. I think about... Uh, the song from the wise philosopher CeeLo Green. <laughs> I was not expecting that. And he said, I think you're crazy. You know, he said, mm-hmm. Who do you who do you think you are? Mm-hmm. Ha ha ha, bless song. your soul. You mm-hmm. really think you're in control. Well, I think you're crazy, just like me. And mm-hmm. long story short, to be a leader, to really put it all on the line for the people, um, it's the most stressful thing that you can do. Um I have mentors and mm-hmm. people that are in my life who have taken on similar roles and positions and, you know, listening to them, you know, get to the point to where they can't sleep at night. And I know that same feeling, you know, at the end of the day, you have to know that it's still for a greater good that is all for your people and that, you know, you can endure you can't take it i love our college motto a lot of people don't even know it vincent qui patator he who is patient conquers i had no idea that i know i know that's 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 I what it, it is you knew it that's that's berea college's motto vincent qui patator in latin it's actual it's on my ring it's on my college ring but anyway um yeah, it's very stressful, but at the end of the day, you have to know it's worth it. You have to know that um, what you're doing will leave a legacy for generations to come. Um, that's, that's in my all honesty, that's the best way I can explain my experience in it all. Mm-hmm. Um, but at what cost, though? And I, and I think that that's what people don't realize. It's just like pastors. Right. You know? I, I was talking to a, a, a close associate, a close friend of mine, and um, who's married or has been married to someone in the church who is a pastor. Mm-hmm. And well, a lot of times when the pastor get called, 
his wife don't always think that because like I didn't I was not called to be a pastor's wife mm-hmm. and I mean I've thought about that I was like Lord if somebody if God ever called Lamar mm-hmm. to be a pastor I don't know that I would be willing to go <laughs> I would like we're gonna have to work something out you know and so I think that what happens is people get so devoted mm. to the passion and their purpose and mm. what they've been called to do. But I think the struggle is we all use this term work-life balance. That's the struggle, right? Mm-hmm. So at what point do you say, I don't know if I should continue to pursue this because mm-hmm. at what cost or what am I willing to give up? Because you see so many people give up everything. So mm-hmm. how do you, how do you, for one, put up boundaries if mm-hmm. that's possible? Because like you say, it's keeping you up at night. What's keeping you up at night? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And then what do you do about that? When do you say, you know what? I don't know if, if this is going to be. Because you're young, right? Right. So you're young. You still have a lot of milestones to go. Right, right. In your personal life, right. So, at what point do you say this? This may need. I may need to pursue this passion in a different way. Right. I'll be honest with you. I don't know just yet. Um. You know, the podcast will be continuing, right? Yeah. So about two, three years, I'll tell you. <laughs> but no, no. in all honesty, I mm-hmm. I don't know. Um. Mm-hmm. It is a true battle. It's a true struggle. Um, each and every day, I, I try to live my life in a uh, a form of balance. The ma'at that is my middle name, true justice and righteousness, are a balance, and I just do my best. But you know, I don't have answers to all the questions that are out there. Um, it is a struggle. You know, politics has affected me personally in my life. Um, you know, it's it's been some highs, it's been some lows, but I do know that. You know, when purpose is on your life, when God has placed a purpose in your heart, you have to go hard or go home. Yeah. And that, you know, the rewards, although they may be later on down the road, I mean, they're there. But at least you're comfortable and confident in knowing that you're doing the right thing, that you're taking as many steps as you can in a righteous way and trying to, you know, impact people in a positive way. So, yeah, and long story short. Not trying to be political, I don't have the full answer to that question. But that's but a that's a good a, answer. Yeah, in it's it's a day by day thing. Mm-hmm. And I think all great leaders have to have had to experience some sacrifice. Yeah, you know, and I think it comes. Um, it, there's just something that comes with the territory. Mm. You know, when you have a mission, like you said, a mission on your life, and you feel like nobody can see the vision as mm. clear as you. Right. No matter how you try to explain it, no matter if you write it down in a business plan right. or something, <laughs> you still in your head. Mm-hmm. I can't see it, what you see. Right. And sometimes to get there, sacrifices have to be made. Mm-hmm. It's not always pretty. Oh, yeah. You know, so um, and when you feel like you had that calling on your life, it's just what it is. Right. You know, you have to keep pushing. I, and I don't think, honestly... We talk about this work life work life balance a lot, mm-hmm. even with in business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think there is a balance. Mm. It's choices to be made. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like it's choices you got to make. Yeah, I don't know if there really is a balance. Mm-hmm. 
You're going to either choose to go on vacation and mm. be with your family or choose to stay at work and do this. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And if you choose either or, it's going to be a sacrifice somewhere. Right. <laughs> you know? But I think that's what, so. what balance is about. Balance is learning. Balance doesn't mean that everything is always going to be equal on each side. I think balance is about knowing when you should choose this to the left or the right, when you should choose work mm-hmm. and when you should choose home. That's what balance is. Yeah, if I choose home, this side may be weighted down mm-hmm. with other stuff I got to deal with when I get back, right? Mm-hmm. But I made the right choice in this moment. So if it comes down to I got a deadline in 72 hours, but my daughter is going to, to graduate from high school, mm-hmm. you you shouldn't choose a 72-hour deadline over your daughter. Your daughter only going to graduate once. Mm-hmm. You're going to have a, a thousand more 72-hour deadlines, right? Unless so, you get fired. <laughs> you right. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, and that's the job. It's at the same time, at the same time, even if you get fired, right, there will be other jobs like that. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Just around my parade. You're telling the truth. Same the devil. I mean. But I mean that's the reality yeah. though. But that I, I think, think that's when the people difference, think about though, balance, it, they think about harmony. So when you when you hear the word balance, you think about harmony, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And when I say there is no balance, because I'm like, you got to choose. Sometimes it's not going to be pretty, your choices mm-hmm. that you make. You just got to choose. There's no harmony when you got a mission. Now, you can settle and be in a harmonic state. <laughs> but sometimes <laughs> people don't, if you got a calling on your life, ain't no settling, because something's going to keep pushing you. Something gonna keep pushing you. You gonna have to keep making these sacrifices till you reach that point. So that leads me to another question. So, like you said, right now I don't know what that looks like. Mm-hmm. I'm still figuring that out, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. What, what, what cost is too much, right? Mm-hmm. But if you were gonna advise someone else who was following behind you, some young millennial out of college that say, "I want to become, I want to start by going and being a city council in my area," right? Mm-hmm. What are some things that you, or some advice you would give them about um, things to consider, you know, in, in terms of their relationships, mm-hmm. in terms of the, the stress, in terms of the sacrifice? Mm-hmm. What would you tell them? These are the things you need to consider before you start walking this walk. Wow. That's, y'all throwing the big questions now. All right. <laughs> um, that's a really good question. Um, wow. I would suggest to someone coming after me like how much and again everybody you know doesn't think like me doesn't think like you and blah blah blah. I'm one of those people I go hard or go home like that's that's just kind of my mentality um but if I was to advise somebody I would say hey you know know your level of commitment how truly committed to this thing or your vision or your platform, how truly committed are you to this? Because honestly, some people get in these positions and do nothing. Mm-hmm. They do absolutely nothing. Hey, I got the title. That's it. You know, smile mm-hmm. for the camera. Some people get in like myself and they go all the way. So I would say, you know, first know your level of commitment. Um, number two, I mean, if they're really young, I wouldn't advise a relationship. Mm-hmm. I honestly would not. I would say, you know, hold off. You know, like get, intimate relationships. Yeah, intimate relationships. You know, you know, it's okay. Maybe have a girlfriend or something, but big stuff, marriage, children. 
I would say just kind of wait. Again, we're talking about a young person. But, you know, kind of wait on that. See how you do your first term, your first couple of years or something. See how you do and then make that true assessment if this is something that you want to do. Because understand, this is very important. Understand that what you do in politics can and will affect your personal family. Mm-hmm. And that's something I had to learn on my own. It was weird. It was foreign, but it, it happened. Um, but understand that those things can and will affect your personal family. So, you know, if you're somebody that can take the heat and can do all that, don't bring nobody else into that position until you're really, really ready for that. Um, so that's that's the second I think that's thing. great advice. And, and I think he is something. Well, oh, well, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I want to just say I think that's great advice, and I, I appreciate that you said that because I think uh, so many times people think that work and personal can be separate, mm-hmm. but when you invite, when you pursue a public platform, mm-hmm. you realize you have to realize that the person you deci- decide to join yourself with and choose as your life partner. Whether they choose that or not, when you choose a public platform, mm-hmm. a public platform also chooses them. Right. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. So, which brings me to my third point and final point. What is your exit strategy? Mm. That's what nobody oftentimes thinks about once mm. they get elected. Yeah. What is your exit strategy? Do you want to die in office, literally? Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's no way you can market this day of the Lord, uh, 26th day of our <laughs> Lord and dear Savior yeah. of June. I guarantee I do not want to die in political office, period. Mm -hmm. So already be thinking about the end in the beginning. Mm. What will be your legacy? Who are you raising up? Who will take your place? All those type of things. You need to begin with the end in mind. Okay. And, you know, that's that's something real because... Healthy habit. Yeah, that's the (laughs) only way we will continue to evolve and, you know, grow our communities. Mm -hmm. That's good advice, and and I the reason why I think I really wanted to emphasize that is because right now I you know we we have a, a friend who wasn't able well her schedule is just busy we weren't able to get her in but mm-hmm. she is out and I would say really uh, firing up and inspiring young people to become engaged in politics from the stance of being informed mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. no who's running for office, know what they stand for, know what what uh, power you have as a voting citizen, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think when, um, oh, shoot, I forgot my train of thought just that fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think when you're thinking about that, um, what's important to me is that a lot of people, dang, I forgot my, okay, it's gone. Woosa. It'll come. Say Woosa. It'll come. Mm. <laughs> You gotta say woosah. As soon okay, as you say woosah. it, there it is. It's not that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been great. Oh, I had if something you said and it made a valid point, but it's gone. You know, one thing that happened with me mm. uh, in politics, I was all in it. I mean, like watching everything, reading everything. Like, did you run for office? No, not, <laughs> not ran for office, but being very aware yeah, of what's right. going on. Very invested. Because my clients are are very aware of what's going on. Right. And we have very intellectual conversations when they come. So I was like, I need to stay abreast of what's, everything that's going on so I can... Sometimes I had to even inform politicians mm. that come to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it started to stress me out. Mm. 
a lot. It got a lot. Yeah. Like, I was, was getting stressed. Me out. Yeah. I mean, I'm on radio stations. Um, calling like in going, to the radio I'm stations. I'm calling in to radio wow. stations. I mean, <laughs> it got to that level mm-hmm. of stress. And I said, you know what? I'm backing out. Mm. And I had to back out. So much so that I just stopped watching the news. Mm-hmm. So my clients come in like, what you thinking about this? I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I feel some peace. But I know I can't be that way if I'm going to be a part of change. Right. You know what I'm saying? So to the audience, I will say, you got to have a healthy... Um, I don't want to use the word balance again. You have to. You have to. But you got to have harmony. You know, you got to know how much you can take in. Yeah. So I was just reading something that they said they came up with another disorder called headline stress disorder. Oh, wow. <laughs> because you get something, you got Facebook news, the news on the TV, <laughs> social, all, all this news coming at you all day. Right. Just streaming, just like as soon as your phone was just in the morning, as soon as you wake up, boom, 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 fortified and did something else. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. So I got to the point where I ignored it. Mm -hmm. You know, I just straight ignored it. I was like, if there's nothing that I can specifically do right now, Mm -hmm. don't stress about it. I had a client to come in, and this is what really hit me. And she was losing weight. And I was saying, you okay, you good? Mm-hmm. She's like, Lamar, this world is going to hell. You know, this, 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 this. I mean, and then she kept coming in and she kept losing more weight. And I was like, hold on. Mm-hmm. Are you good? Mm-hmm. And she was like, it's just so much stuff going on in the world. I said, can you control it? Mm-hmm. I said, what can you do about it right now? Mm-hmm. I said, maybe you need to start watching the news. Because mm-hmm. every time she came in, she was stressed out about that. And she just kept losing weight. Mm. I'm like, this stress is getting to you. Right. The politics are getting to you. Mm-hmm. I said, you need to live, first of all. That's right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So whatever you're doing, you need to stop. Yeah. I, I think that news the way it is today, especially in mainstream, is not is not structured to do what it was originally formed to do, which was to inform and disperse information. And honestly, mainstream media may have been to been formed to control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, it's called television to tell you a vision. So that's what it, <laughs> that's, right. that's what it does. <laughs> but I think there's so many alternative forms of news mm-hmm. and information. But even that in itself, even though it could be more informative um, and more true to what's going on, mm-hmm. um, I think that in itself can be stressful. And so, like, of course, when you know, we have this this influx of videos and um, news about all the police brutality against yeah. men of color. Yeah. And at one point, Lamar was sending me a lot of stuff. And it was starting to stress me out. And he would get mad because I wouldn't want to watch videos. I was like, look, I'm not watching another video. Mm-hmm. But I also was working in an intensive residential. I dealt with a lot of trauma, yeah. you know, self-harm and things of that nature and for me it was just kind of like listen I already got a lot that I'm compartmentalizing Mm -hmm. I can't process that too I found myself being like stressed and overly concerned and I you know our son is about to be 15 he's about to start driving Mm -hmm. he can't wait to get behind the wheel of a car Mm -hmm. 
you know, and all I could think about is what if he get pulled over? What if he got a car full of friends? You know, all those things start going through my head. And I was just like, I didn't grow up like that. First of all, I'm a woman of faith. Mm-hmm. You know, I live my life by faith. Mm-hmm. But secondly, it's just kind of like I cannot function with all of this stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think as as helpful as it is to, to stay abreast on what's going on, like he said, you have to be aware of when you plug in and when you don't. Mm-hmm. So I'm mm-hmm. a, I'm going to throw this question over to you mm-hmm. being a, a person that is in the political sphere, which is your job to kind of know what's going on um, locally and what's important to be working on to better your community. How do you deal with that? How do you. How do you filter what you let impact you emotionally? Right, yeah. You know, you start off with smoking 18 blunts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm so joking. I'm so joking. I do not smoke blunts. None of that. Especially not 18. <laughs> uh, but anyway, no. Again, it's a cliche word, but you have to have balance, you guys. Um, I mean, one thing I love to do, I get up five every morning. And I work out like first. That's my number one thing. I have to jog, like or whatever. Um, go to the gym. Like I work out. Like some of this stuff is kind of basic life principles. Um, that you would tell a client or you know whatever else. Um, but yeah, first I have to just get out the former day in a sense. Mm-hmm. You know, um, whatever has gone on. But then in the very early hours of the morning. After that, I'll read the news. I'll go through it. And for some reason, early in the morning for me, and again, I'm just telling my personal story. Early in the morning, it acts more as a filter because right before I read the news, I'm sorry, I skipped a step. I pray slash meditate. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, I'm thankful in the morning to the creator, God, whatever people may call him or, or her. Um, but I'm thankful in the morning for being alive, for having breath, for my family that's alive. All those different things. Then I go ahead and read the news. And when I say the news, I'm talking about go ahead and get out my Facebook, Instagram, all mm-hmm. that early in the morning. So if you get a happy birthday in the morning for me, now you know why. Because mm-hmm. I'm knocking it all out in the morning. <laughs> and then the rest of the day, I'm living my day, you guys. Like, I'm not trying to pile a whole bunch other, whole a whole lot of other things on me during the day. Because that will draw me down and I'm not able to be as productive or whatever. But so that's my system. That's yeah. what works for me. People have to figure out what works for them. I'm not going to wake up watching CNN five in the morning, seven in the morning, 11 in the morning, 1 p.m., 4 p.m., etc. Mm-hmm. No, as much as I think that's one of the fair and balanced sources, I don't need that in my life. There's so many other things going on mm-hmm. in life. So people just really have to honestly find a balance for themselves and mm. they know what that is. I want to ask you one last question before okay. we wrap up. Um, in getting to know a politician from the average citizen, what would you say is the best way to get to know you? So, you know, instead of reading all the sources, because anytime somebody's running, there's going to be some positive and some negative, mm-hmm. right? So from a politician's perspective, what is the best the best way to get to know you? My me personally or another politician? I'm talking about you personally, but I want okay. to kind of relate it to any politician. You know, like what's the best oh, way okay. to get to know about that person? Yeah, because you know what works for you, but you can also 
you know, based on your experience, say, you know, I found that these are these are spaces or things I've um, done to be able to get to know other people who've been wrong. Oh, the best Despite way. Despite the media. The best way, um, you know, when you're dating, how do you date somebody? You take them out. Like, not don't take out a politician or whatever, yeah. but sit down with them one on one. Not in a big forum sometimes. If you really want to get to know a person, because honestly, quote-unquote politicians, they're people just like me and you. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've been in politics and all that other stuff, but I'm still just a regular human being, you mm-hmm. know. Sit down with that person one-on-one. Ask them the questions that you really want to know. Let them respond. Get a feel for them, and then go from there. If you can't do that, if it's a politician that is running for a higher office, then there are other ways to do that. Then you want to go into your town hall meetings and, and things of that nature. But for the most part, even at that, I mean, our state representative and state senator, I've sat down with all of them, not just because, oh, I've been in politics, but because I really, really wanted to. Mm-hmm. So if you really want to know the person that represents you, ask them out for lunch. That's hey, good. can we go to lunch? Can we go get a cup of coffee? Mm-hmm. Just some of the basic things that you would do with any other human being. Mm-hmm. And if they decline you, like, especially if you really give them multiple opportunities, then you know they may not be the person for you. Mm. Mm, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming in. Thank you, I know sir. That you, like you said, you didn't, um, you weren't successful in securing the seat the last time. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm guessing your uh, career in politics is, is not coming to an end. Not at all. And so if people want to stay in tune with what you're doing in your community, especially if they're from that area, because one of the things we do when we have people is we try to share to the audiences that follow the guests on our show. Gotcha. How can people follow you, support you, and stay in touch with you? Yes, I'm on all social media platforms. uh, Sayram Selassie, S-E-Y-R-A-M. S-E-L-A-S-E. So on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, you can follow me there. And um, I would love to chat and mm-hmm. um, continue this conversation. Yeah, I was going to ask you to spell that too. So yeah. <laughs> I, I'm on it. I'm on it. Because <laughs> I always pronounce your last name wrong. That's cool. That's I finally cool. got the first name. That's cool. Like, they did Obama the same way, Lamar. <laughs> <laughs> they focused on Hussein. <laughs> All right, everybody, it's been real. So until next time, live your best life. Living through your stress life.